This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Get things going. Happy Wednesday. This is Sportsnet today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. Big day yesterday at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. All day Flames coverage after naming Craig Conroy the eighth GM in franchise history. More reaction to that uh, as this show goes on today. We're coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. With my outstanding production team of Cam and Taylor this afternoon, we will chat more Craig Conroy and the to-do list for the new Flames GM. Obviously doing the media rounds in Calgary yesterday. Some more national media. You would have heard him on the Jeff Merrick show a little bit earlier today here on Sportsnet 960. Amateur scouting meetings continue for the Calgary Flames. They get set for the draft coming up in just a few weeks' time. So we'll dive into all of that uh, throughout the day. We'll also uh, get some more reaction with uh, Brendan Parker from Calgary Flames TV. Uh, Get Park's reaction to uh, the news yesterday. He was uh, there at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome for the introductory press conference. So he'll kick us off on hour two as we uh, continue the discussion around the Calgary Flames. Also, uh, a wider NHL discussion coming up later this hour with Luke Fox, NHL writer from Sportsnet.ca. We'll chat uh, not only the Flames GM situation, but a couple of GM situations now around the league. Uh, Brad Treliving, former Flames GM, sounds like he is a strong candidate for the Maple Leafs open job. Kyle Dubas has uh, been granted permission to speak with the Pittsburgh Penguins for their open GM job. So the GM carousel is in full motion around the NHL right now. Luke Fox has a couple of pieces up on the Leafs and uh, their GM hunt. So we'll check in with him a little bit later on this hour. He's also got a piece on uh, 12 of the top unrestricted free agents coming up this summer uh, as we get a look at the offseason with Luke Fox uh, later this hour. Uh, And just lots to get to, as always. We've got game uh, number four. Panthers and Hurricanes to talk about tonight. The Panthers look to sweep away the Canes in four games and just continue to ruin any idea that I can pick who can win a playoff series. You jinx them all. Apparently I do. I I blame you for how it's going. I'm reverse sweeping everything right now. You do the opposite of what I said, which is what you should always do. I would have had them all right if you didn't pick them either. You're doing so well. Uh, So, yeah, lots to get to. We'll talk NHL playoffs. We'll chat uh, more Craig Connery, of course, and that's where we're kicking things off. The dust still settling from the news yesterday. Craig Conroy, the new GM of the Calgary Flames, 
Brad Pascal, Dave Nonis, Chris Snow, Into with new titles, assistant GMs, and now the work really begins for Craig Conroy, and it's sort of a conversation of now what? And we got into it a bit yesterday with Craig, and I thought we'd break it down into a couple of different pieces that I thought were, were incredibly important from Craig's opening press conference. Also, the exclusive chat that he had with Pat on Flames Talk, wherever you get your favorite podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, your favorite podcatcher has Flames Talk as an exclusive uh, one-on-one with Pat yesterday in the Hot Stove Lounge. It's a long to-do list for Craig Conroy. It's an important to-do list for him, and it includes work that begins immediately. And let's start with the one question that a lot of people have started asking even before the GM was in place. And it's kind of because the whole process, the whole timeline for this thing kind of got shifted around and that's a head coach. The GM and the team mutually parted ways here in Calgary, as you'll remember, leaving Daryl Sutter as a head coach without a GM Don Maloney began his review process of the team, his process of hiring a new GM, and in that process determined that Daryl Sutter and the team needed to part ways. And now we had a GM and a head coach opening here in Calgary. And it, it shouldn't surprise anybody that over the last couple of weeks as we've waited for the GM search to conclude that names around who could be this team's next head coach have started to heat up. We've heard plenty of names, but what does the GM, now that he's in place, actually want in a head coach? What does he feel this team needs in a head coach? We got a pretty good idea of that yesterday from Craig Conroy when asked about that at his introductory press conference. We need to work together. We need to be a team. We're not head coach and management. We're we're a team. We're in this together. We're not going to be at odds. We're not going to be lockstep all the time either, but we're going to have the same vision and passion for this team and kind of the direction that it's going to go, and we're going to work together. You know, that's the first thing. And then I want someone that is a leader that brings – because I think as a coach you always want someone to have that passion and be a visionary, you know, and bring that to the team. And if we could do that, you know, it doesn't have to be a – experienced head coach were in the NHL it can be someone with maybe limited experience in, in as a head coach at all you know we're going to kind of make that decision and go through the process but yeah you want a guy that can communicate to the players obviously you know today's day and age we used to just the coach would tell us what to do and we did it you know now they want to know well why so you got he's got to be able to communicate he's got to be able to make this environment a fun place to be, you know, and that's what I said. I always came for 17 years. I always had fun coming to the rink. So we want to make sure I would look at the bench sometimes and think, are the guys having fun? Maybe, maybe not. I couldn't tell, but I want them to be happy coming to the rink because when you work happy, working hard, Hey, you're not always going to win games, but you know what? You're going to put your best foot forward day in and day out. And if they compete the way they should, you know, we're going to win more games than, than not. There's a ton there from Craig Conroy. The first is, I think you you have to be honest about what you heard there. And I think Craig saw, and I think a lot of us saw, 
a fractured relationship between the last GM and the last head coach of the Calgary Flames. That is clearly something Craig is not on board with. You shouldn't be if you're a GM, but clearly it's something that's caught his attention. And like he said there, we have to be in step. We have to have the same sort of understanding. We can't have coach here and GM here. We have to be in sync. And that he said doesn't mean we agree on absolutely everything, but you have to be in lockstep. That's a huge thing. And that's something that, you know, pretty much acknowledges a problem that we all thought existed here in Calgary without putting names to it. And that's, that's not a surprise. I think it's a big reason why both Brad Living and Daryl Sutter aren't part of the organization anymore is because of that fractured relationship. And because of what Craig said at there at the end too, about, you know, this has to be a fun place to come to work. People have to enjoy coming to the rink. And he questioned looking down at his bench last year as an assistant GM and wondering, are the guys having fun? Are the guys enjoying what they're doing? And he thought sometimes yes, sometimes no. I think we know the answer to that, frankly, was was no more of the time than than it was yes. So he wants a coach that can come in and, you know, obviously work in tandem with himself, but make this a better place to play as a player, make it a fun place to play. And that's not to say that it's all about fun and that that's his only priority. Craig was very clear yesterday that, yes, the environment needs to change, but he expects hard work out of everybody. He expects everybody that's here to, to make a difference and to give it their all. And if you're just here for a contract uh, and, and a paycheck, then he's not interested in you being here, period. But I, I thought he left the book open to, and it's why we've seen such a wide list of names that you know sort of got expanded last night as uh, Elliot Friedman released a, a shortened written edition of 32 Thoughts. He threw out the name Peter Laviolette as a name that he would expect the Calgary Flames to at least reach out to in regards to the head coaching job. So you look at the list of names, obviously Mitch Love, Ryan Huska, Kirk Muller, all internal names that we know the Flames are going to be interested in. Alex Tongay is a name that's been thrown out there, the assistant coach of the Detroit Red Wings. Andrew Brunette, former head coach of the Panthers, and recently an assistant with the New Jersey Devils, has been thrown out there. Uh, Gerard Gallant is a name that's been out there as well. So, and that's it's a long list, but it's a list that coincides with what Craig just said there. And it's that he doesn't have a set, I don't, you know, experience. Okay, that's that's great. Doesn't necessarily have to have a long list of experience. Doesn't have to have any NHL experience. He just wants the right guy for this group. And I've talked about this so much as the head coaching, you know, position has become a a topic here in Calgary. That Craig's biggest job with the head coach in my mind is immediately trying to do what his predecessor. Brad Living was never able to do, and that's find a coach that can have some longevity here in Calgary. You should not be talking about a coach every two years here in, in Calgary, or two and a half years or whatever it is. And yes, I understand there was a pandemic in there. I understand that Bill Peters um, 
cost himself his job, and he's the one to blame for that. Uh, but the, the fact of the matter is, is there's still been too many head coaches here in Calgary to, to really warrant any type of long-term success. If your players have to relearn a head coach and a coaching staff and systems, styles every two years, yeah, it's going to wear on them eventually. And I know it wears on the fans because you can go down the list and you can go, okay, there's Gullitson, uh, Peters was here, Ward was here, Sutter was here. The, you know, the list just goes on and on and on of short-term coaches that at some, you know, Mike Keenan, you know, short-term success sometimes and just never anything long-term. Well, I think you look at the most successful NHL franchises, Pittsburgh, you know, one of them in the last decade and a half that's had the most success with Mike Sullivan as the head coach, they're willing to bring in a GM that has to work with Mike Sullivan. That's how highly they think of their head coach is they're not going to let a GM pick a new, a new head coach. And I'm not saying you'd have to have a, a 10 year success or you have to be the next John Cooper, but Craig Conroy has to make sure that this hire sticks and perhaps some of that new thinking, some of that new perspective that Craig's going to bring to this will help him with that because for all of the, the good it comes with the bad of a being a GM, Brad was never able to find that guy. Uh, Brad Children was, was never able to find that head coach to take his team, you know, long-term here in the Cal with the Calgary flames. So that's a big priority for Craig Conroy. Obviously, the next one it gets talked about is, okay, is he done shaping his front office? Brad Pascal and Chris Snow were with the organization before, and I think deservedly so got increased titles and increased responsibilities with the announcement on Tuesday. But it also came with a new face, and that's Dave Nonis, a former NHL GM uh, in a couple of different spots. He's been in advisory roles throughout uh, his hockey career and brings a fresh perspective to the Calgary Flames. But that's not the name we're waiting on. It's the name that, again, as this GM search continued to go on for the Calgary Flames, different things came up, just like the head coach. Um, this name, Jerome Aginla, and his potential presence back in the organization became a topic and he was not there yesterday. Nothing was announced. Uh, but again, listen closely to what Pat Steinberg, Eric Francis, those kind of guys say when they reference it, it doesn't feel like it's a far off thing. It feels like this is something that Craig's had in mind. Should he get the GM job? And, um, you know, with understanding that yesterday was really Craig's day, he was asked about it and, and wasn't going to shoot down the idea by any means that uh, Jerome could be a major part of, of what he wants to do as the Calgary uh, member of the Calgary flames um, coming up sooner, maybe rather than later. Here's what Craig said on, on Jerome yesterday. Jerome and I have always talked about it. I'll be totally honest. We've always uh, expressed, you know, expressed an interest of working together. I know right now he's, a, you know, he's coaching rink Colony he has his son, Joe, but you know, this is definitely something I want to explore moving forward, but haven't done it right yet. So nothing yet. 
but again the the people that that i trust that i think have earned your your trust as a as a flames fan to listen to in this organization as to who you know has a good pulse on what's happening in the organization like i said the pats of the world um if you listen to what pat said he fully expects that uh part of of craig being the gm includes jerome coming in in some capacity um, yesterday, like we said, didn't include that because it really was Craig's day. And I think Eric Francis made a good point about this on his show yesterday that, you know, you couldn't really, just knowing who, who Jerome is and what he means to this place and, and to this team, you you couldn't make it a Craig and Jerome day. Uh, and Craig deserved his own day. Craig has earned yesterday and all the accolades that he got from working in this organization and all the different roles that he has, it would be very hard to split that with the, the greatest player in the organization's history coming back to be a part of the team again, if that makes any sense. So I, I do think Jerome will have his day. I do think Jerome will be part of this organization. All the people that I trust when it comes to news around the Calgary Flames believe that this is something that's, as you heard from Craig, been in the works for a very long time, something him and Jerome have always talked about. Um, what that role is this year compared to next year when he's done coaching his son, I, I don't know. I don't know what titles are. I don't know what what interests Jerome or what the, the organization would like from Jerome, but I, I would certainly expect sooner than later that's another thing that Craig will tick off of his list, and uh, I think one of them has been you know, to bring Jerome back to this franchise and uh, rightfully so bring him back to the place where he belongs. If he wants to have a, a career in, in hockey management and wants to explore that side of things, it should be with the Calgary Flames. And I think that that's something that Craig Conroy is going to make sure fully happens uh, as he's the GM now of the team. Uh, a couple of texts at 960-960, the fan feedback line. It's always open to you here on Sportsnet Today. If you're listening live, feel free to give us a text on whatever we're talking about or whatever's on your mind. Uh, talking about the to-do list for Craig Conroy now that he is firmly planted in the GM chair and reviewing some of the key items from his introductory press conference yesterday. We just talked about his coach, uh, the search for his first head coach of this team, and uh, some of the lists that he has brought up and some of the qualities that he mentioned yesterday. And a couple of you guys have texted in about that. Uh, Tyler and Bonas says, it sounds like Craig Conroy hits his desk more than a Pat Steinberg. It's funny you say that, Tyler. I know it sounds like that. The Ed Media, the Ed Whalen Media Lounge, excuse me, um, has, a, has an area mic in it above so that you can pick up all the reporters saying everything. And I know it's, it sounded like Craig Powell was pounding his fist a lot. He was occasionally, but that mic just picks up every little noise uh, in that room. Uh, so that's funny that you picked that up, though. Uh, this one says, hey, Logan, love the show. Do you think Mitch Love and Alex Tangay would want to come to Calgary as assistants? Say we hire Burnett as the head coach and see if we can get the best out of Huberto uh, again. The Mitch Love one is interesting to me. Uh, I can see Mitch Love absolutely going to an assistant coach role with the Calgary Flames if he's not the head coach uh, as a way for this organization to keep him in the fold um, and perhaps, you know, keeping the door open for him being a head coach in the NHL soon. It's what they did with Ryan Huska uh, in his time, right, to keep him in the organization. You have to increase the role of, 
of these of these coaches, right? He's pretty much he's won coach of the year twice. Similar to Dustin Wolf, it's a conversation of okay, what else can you achieve at the American Hockey League level? We have to challenge you with something else. Okay, maybe you're not ready to jump into being a head coach right away. Does an assistant coach role with the at the NHL level make sense for Mitch Levin to make make sure that he stays with the organization? I think it could. Um, the Tangay one is interesting. I, I the Tangay one is is interesting to me because he's already an assistant coach. So for him, the appeal would be coming back to Calgary and maybe you maybe you up his title with whoever the head coach is. Maybe he's. And instead of an assistant head coach, he's an associate head coach that comes with more responsibility, but isn't a head coach. I, I think Alex Tangay is a guy to come in here and and run the power play and be an offensive mind for some of the guys in this team would be such a huge asset. Um, so I'm I'm certainly curious. I just I wonder you have to know what the ambition for Alex is at this point. Is he? Uh, looking for a head coaching job? Is he looking for a different challenge as an assistant? That's that's kind of what that's going to be. Uh, our pal Big Mike texting in. Uh, afternoon logo on the crew. Great takes today. He says, I'm a no on Muller. Anyone really established, they won't last. Some combination or, of one or two of Huska, Love, uh, Aginla maybe. Warner is a guy who knows defense, brings a ton of levity, won't let players ruminate, and Tangay is very intriguing as well. However, that would mimic the Oilers' old boys' club thoughts. Yeah, I don't think Jerome's coming to be a coach. Um, I think that's an interesting option to have in his back pocket. Um, <laughs> the the old boys' club is is an interesting one that's come up, Mike, because um, you're right; these guys all know each other and have, um, you know, has clearly had these conversations before. This isn't something new to, to Tangay and to Aginla and Conroy together. It's something that they've talked about. Um, it's just, I, look, I don't, again, I don't think Jerome's coming here to be a, a, a coach. I, I think he is coming to be in some level of management. Um, I, I think Huska and Love, if that was the combination there, would would be a good one because I think Ryan's got some NHL experience. I think Mitch has clearly shown he's got a great reputation at the American Hockey League level to build off of. Um, I, I am interested to see how much of, you know, internal and external gets mixed here because I think there are good options for both sides. Like, I, I think there's a good argument to be made about bringing in, you know, Burnett and Tangay as outside guys, but I also think recognizing that there are you know, great internal candidates in Huska and Love as well. And can you make a, a combination of both work? I think that that's something that Craig Conroy is going to have to talk about. Uh, so aside from the coach, aside from bringing in a franchise icon back into the organization, Jerome Aginla, obviously uh, the UFA situation and the um, guys with one year left on their contract was something that was clearly on Craig's mind yesterday and will be on his mind as his first summer as GM goes, uh, here's a bit of what he talked about, you know, some of his to-do lists, the pending UFAs, and then on to uh, one player in specific, uh, in particular, I should say, that um, has the attention of the GM as he gets uh, to work this week. Uh, Got to talk to all the players. We know we do have seven unrestricted free agents. Um, 
coming forward. So, you know, there, there's going to be more. I, I said after tonight, after we have this meetings, we're all going to sit down and kind of go over those things and put our list together and, you know, come up with an idea how we can kind of tackle this because it is going to be busy uh, and we got to get moving. I do know where Elias was thinking prior, so now I want to see where he's at. I really do want to see what his mindset is right now, and I have a very good relationship, and obviously he's a priority here. I mean, for me, he's a player you build around. We talk about centers. You know, I look at him and think everything he does, game in and game out, face-offs, winning, all those little plays, he's a player that even as he kind of gets older, if he moves down a little in the lineup, he's going to be – still effective and help your team win day in and day out and he's a good person you know those are the type of people and i do think he he really wants to be a calgary flame again we'll see in in a couple days what where he's thinking so the seven ufas obviously we've talked about them a lot here in calgary but of course that list includes like you mentioned elias lindholm michael backland tyler Toffoli, noah hannafin to just name a few and you cannot go into another season with those guys still on the fence about extensions. And like Craig said, he'll check in with Elias to see where he's at. When he made those comments about being non-committal to Calgary, uh, Brad Living was still the GM. Daryl Sutter was still the head coach. Does Elias feel differently about this organization and about his spot in the organization now that Craig Conroy is calling the shots. And to me, it, it starts and ends with number 28. With all due respect to the other guys, I think Toffoli, Backlund, Hannah, I think all those guys are incredibly important. But if your number one center does not want to come back and you have to look at moving him this offseason, I think that changes everything about what can happen here in Calgary. Because I, I don't know that there's another hockey trade on the market that lets you replace. If you lose Elias Lindholm, there's no other number one center. Nazem Kadri is a good center. So is Michael Backlund. They're not number one centers. And there are people that argue sometimes points that, that Elias Lindholm is the number one center. I disagree with that. I think he is. But if if that guy's not around, you don't have the you don't have the next guy to come in and fill in with that spot, and that's going to dictate a hell of a lot of what happens here over the next year or two, especially with UFAs. If he's not around, and if he doesn't want to be around, Craig is obviously aware of that. There's no one to better understand the importance of an Elias Lindholm than a guy that played center ice throughout his entire NHL career, and Craig Conroy. And, you know, probably still understands Craig. Craig's not stupid. Craig probably understands that, you know, even since Elias came in, there's been, I mean, talk to him and Jerome. We can spend a, a five-minute conversation going over their time in Calgary and going, you know, how much would we have killed to have a center like Elias? They, don't, they just don't show up. It's so hard to find a top six center in this league, and if you lose another one like Elias Lindholm, and it's it's very possible he's all within his rights to play out the year and go to unrestricted free agency. But if you're the Calgary Flames, you just can't you can't live in that world. You can't operate with that being a, a legitimate possibility for you. And it was very clear yesterday, listening to Craig, whether it was his press conference uh, to the general media 
whether it was his one-on-one with Pat, that that is something that is top of mind for him and understanding what those seven individuals want to do or you know how they're feeling about the organization today have a big impact on what his summer is going to look like. And is there a level of convincing to do? Is it a closed door conversation? All of those are things that Craig is going to have to figure out and it will lead to, to some of the biggest decisions that he's going to make as GM. And they could come, you know, a few months into his tenure as this team's eighth GM. It's it's not an easy one. He talked that there's a lot to do and then a lot of important things to do. We we listed off just a couple there, and that's really only you know the beginning of, of peeling back the list of things uh that Craig wants to accomplish as GM. He's got I think all the talent to do it. I think he's got all the the will and ambition to do it. Uh what it looks like though, however, and when it comes to other players and their decisions, things that are somewhat out of his hands, but force his decision, I think are going to be some real keys to watching what Craig Conroy becomes uh, as this team's GM. Uh, We'll talk more Craig Conroy uh, and his uh, introductory press conference with Brendan Parker from Flames TV when we kick off hour two. Uh, We're going to take a break, come back on the other side, continue our uh, GM conversation though around the league with uh, Sportsnet's Luke Fox uh, is a former Flames GM, the leading candidate in Toronto And where did the guy in Toronto go now? Uh, All of that coming up as we continue Sportsnet today on this Wednesday here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, hour one's rolling on. Sportsnet Today, Logan Gordon along with you. Of course, lots of GM talk around Calgary. In the last 24 hours with the appointment of Craig Conroy as the team's eighth GM. But Calgary, not the only location across the NHL currently with uh, GM news on the horizon. Toronto and Pittsburgh both searching for their next GMs. Different situations, of course, uh, in on both markets. Uh, one of them perhaps coming with a head coach uh, attached, maybe one of them not uh, fallout from what's happened in Toronto the last couple of weeks as well. Uh, There's plenty to get to, not just in Calgary's GM situation, but specifically with Toronto and uh, Pittsburgh and help us dive into uh, some of those topics. Uh, Very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Welcome in Luke Fox, NHL writer at sportsnet.ca. Luke, thanks for doing this today, man. How are you? I'm doing uh, fantastic. How are you? We're doing great, man. Uh, you've got lots to get to. Uh, you've been all over the board on uh, Sportsnet.ca, obviously, driving into the Leafs and their situation the last couple of weeks as well. And uh, I wondered if we could start, if you could just go through with our listeners a little bit of uh, clarity that came out of the Kyle Dubas, Brendan Shanahan situation in Toronto, because I think a lot of people were pretty stunned to hear what Brendan Shanahan had to say when he came out and announced that Dubas wouldn't be back as this team's GM, but as the days have fallen past that, Luke, we've gotten some clarity as to why maybe Shanahan felt that way. Yeah, really fascinating press conference that uh, myself and the other reporters here attended Friday um, upon Brendan Shanahan essentially firing Kyle Dubas a, a few weeks before his contract was, was going to run up anyway. Uh, very revealing. I mean, we've only heard one side of, 
of the events. But one of the big, my, my big takeaways was the fact that although Kyle Dubas went into the season as kind of a lame duck GM without a contract beyond the season, Brennan Shanahan had seen enough by the trade deadline, you know, to, to start talks and to, he was willing to offer him an extension back in March. Um, so it was really revealing that he, he explained that the process started back then uh, and that he thought that the two sides were close to a deal um, shortly after the Leafs bowed out in the second round to the Florida Panthers and that he even spoke to him that same night that the Leafs lost game five. And as early as uh, a week goes, or as recent as a week goes Sunday, they basically had the framework for a deal according to Shanahan. And then Kyle Dubas chose to speak against his president's wishes to the media a week ago Monday and was quite emotional. Um, it, it was a very bizarre end of season press conference. And in that he even said that he wasn't sure that he wanted to continue on as, as GM of the Leafs, that it had taken a greater toll on his family than that most, than most people knew. Um, and that he wasn't sure if he wanted to be back. And that started Shanahan thinking, okay, well, if he, he's not sure, maybe I shouldn't be sure that he's the guy. And then Kyle Dubas came to him later in the week um, and wanted more money. And we believe a bit more power as well. And that seemed to be the final straw. Um, those two things combined, you know, Kyle Dubas asking for more more dough and um, him being on the fence and, and publicly showing that he, he may not be up for it, forced Shanahan's hand. And, and he, he decided to let him go on Friday. And all of a sudden it has started turning the wheels. The Leafs are frantically um, trying to get a GM in place because they have some massive decisions on players and uh, their head coach to make in the, in the coming weeks. And Dubas is out in Pittsburgh going for job interviews. Um, so all of a sudden he's available, even though uh, in his last time he spoke publicly, he said that we wouldn't see him pop up somewhere else. But now he's interviewing for the, the Penguins job. So uh, a lot of fascinating um, musical chairs happening here in the NHL world. Well, yeah, you're right. There's there's a ton to dive off into there, Luca. I wanted to go back to the Shanahan one, and I think there's been a when Kyle was expressed as wanting a bit more power in the organization. I think that there was some confusion that maybe he was coming for Shanahan's job. It doesn't sound like that was necessarily the case. He just wanted a bit more autonomy when it came to decisions. But did you see this as you know Shanahan sort of staking his mark in the organization too, and saying, look, this is what we're willing to give to a GM and anything past that you have to go through me because I'm still here in this spot. Yeah. And I, I think there, there's some truth to that, but, but what I would say is that did he not have an, enough autonomy? I mean, if, mm. if you look at, if you look at all the people that he hired, whether it's, you know, the front office, he had Jason Spezza and Brandon Pridham and Haley Wickenheiser, and he just surrounded himself with people that he hired. Or you look at the Leafs roster, he'd been there long enough that there wasn't one guy that you could point to and say that Kyle Dubas didn't put that guy on the team. I mean, he didn't draft Morgan Riley, but he, he extended him, and everyone else kind of fell under his regime. They were guys that, that he either decided to pay when they became restricted free agents or guys that he sought out via trade or, or free agency. I mean, 
this was his team. His fingerprints are all over the roster. So maybe he didn't like some of the, the processes that, that happen when you're dealing with a multi-pronged ownership and the fact that Bell and Rogers have a stake and Larry Tannenbaum has a stake and that he has to clear things, um, maybe get them stamped by Brendan Shanahan. But, but my understanding was that Dubas was the hockey guy. Like Shanahan is not trying to be a GM. I don't think he wants to make every single hockey decision. Of course, he's going to weigh in on the big ones like a trade deadline day, or, you know, if they were working on an extension for Austin Matthews, like he, he's going to be there and, and be part of those conversations. Uh, but this, this was Kyle Dubas's team. And, you know, if, if he thinks that uh, if, when he's dealing with the Fenway group in Pittsburgh, if, if he chooses to take that job and if it's offered to him, it's going to be the same thing. We all have bosses. We all have to clear big decisions by our bosses. Um, so I, I don't know if it was so much about that as, as it was just the, the scrutiny of, of the Toronto market, the fact that he had tried to execute a vision and, you know, after five years, he only had one playoff round to show for it. And things were getting testy. I mean, we, we saw it in Tampa when he was, um, you know, yelling at fans. Uh, th- th- this was a taxing year for him and I'm sure for his family. I mean, it, it, there was a lot of criticism lobbed his way. Uh, and I guess you mentioned it there. How surprised were you? Because I, I know a lot of people had picked up on what you mentioned there, Luke, that he had said, look, I'm not going to, you're not going to find me in a different market next week if I'm not the Toronto Maple Leafs GM. How surprised are you that he is in Pittsburgh and going through this process with the Penguins? Uh, mildly. Um, I guess you know, I, I don't think he was, you know, trying to lie at the time. Like we do end up seeing him take a job uh, for with the team heading into next season. I'm sure that's how he felt in the moment. Um, so I don't, I don't think he was, he was trying to put something false out there, but you know, I think he, he was really emotional that day. I think fans uh, and, and media need to understand that when he conducted that, media availability that was after meeting with the coaches and with every single player did their exit interviews that Monday. So you're sitting in a room and you're hearing Austin Matthews and William Nylander and Luke Shen, all these guys come and talk about their futures, what they think's good about the team, what they think's bad about the team. And you're not even sure if you're going to be the GM of this team moving forward. Uh, I think it's a very emotional and stressful day for a GM and then you go, go to the podium, and uh, I, I think he felt I think he felt spent at the end of that day. And maybe he maybe if he does take a job, I'm sure he'll regret saying you know something that that isn't true. Um, but we'll have to see if if it plays out. Uh, I don't I don't know if it was some suggested maybe that was a bargaining tactic, but mm. I don't know how that I don't know how that would work in his favor. I mean I I think y- you you should just say like. Just say nothing about about where you might land. Like, leave yeah. it open. Yeah, <laughs> that would seem like an odd way to try to to get more out of your um, out of your boss. But yeah, it's almost irrelevant now. But we'll see what happens with that. I guess now that the fallout in Toronto, and you wrote about this at Sportsnet.ca, Luca, uh, on your quick shifts, is uh, involving now for the Toronto Maple Leafs. What has to be a rather quick turnaround to find their next GM because it's an incredibly important off season for them and. 
one name circulating around Toronto right now is one that we know well here in Calgary, and that's Brad Treliving. And he certainly fits the bill as to that word that you use in your article that Brendan Shanahan's looking for, and that's uh, experience. Do you think Treliving makes sense as the next hire for the Leafs if that's the road they go down? I think he makes sense. Uh, I think there, there'll be other names too. Uh, I don't think it's it's going to be just Trey Living or, or Bust. But he does make sense in that he already has a, a great reputation, A, amongst uh, all the players that that he uh, that he manages, and B, amongst the, the other GMs. You know, A, has everyone on speed dial. He's, as you well know, um, working in that market. Like, he's a mover and a shaker. He's always working the phones. He's very in, in touch with who's available and what the other GMs are thinking. And, you know, there's been some suggestion that maybe it's as simple as Brandon Pridham getting a promotion or there's a lot of buzz around Eric Tulski uh, as maybe the next GM. But for the situation the Leafs are in, I, I, I agree with Shanahan in that I think experience is key because some decisions on the, the core four need to be made right away. The Austin Matthews contract looms really large. Uh, William Nylander is also one year away from unrestricted free agency. And Mitch Marner has a full no move kicking in July 1st. And he only has two more years on his deal. So these are, these are the types of decisions on the type of elite talent in their prime that can shape a franchise for years to come. So having someone who knows how to execute a big trade like a, like a tray living, I think would be the, the smart route to go. And um, kind of ironically or, or coincidentally, uh, Kyle Dubas in the last time we spoke to him was considering that type of move. And he pointed to the, the Panthers flames trade of a year ago on um, the Matthew Kachuk situation as an example of the kind of deal that might make sense for the least moving forward. So Trey living has, experience with guys you know whose contracts are about to run up and you have to make an immediate decision on them and perhaps a a difficult risky trade the Leafs aren't looking to sell off guys for picks and prospects they're looking to get impact players uh, right away and that's kind of similar to what happened with Zito and Trey Living a year ago. Yeah, it seems like one of those situations where if you're going to shake up the core in Toronto a hockey trade sort of makes the most sense and I think if you're talking about somebody that made probably one of the more prolific hockey trades we've seen in the cap era Brad Living probably fits that bill Luke I guess if there were other names out there I know you mentioned Pridham and and, and Tolski as guys who don't have a legitimate you know GM experience by themselves yet are there any other names circling around Toronto that you think Shanahan has interest in talking to yeah, I mean, well, the perfect guy, it's, it's kind of funny because it, it would be very complicated, but the perfect guy would be Doug Armstrong, uh, but he's still under contract until 2025 with the St. Louis Blues, and he also holds the president title there. So uh, would he be interested in, you know, moving to Toronto and, and taking this job, even though the president's job is already filled by Shanahan? Uh, I don't know. And further, can you can he wrangle himself out of that contract, even if he wanted to? Mm-hmm. That's very difficult. And I don't see why Blues ownership would, would let him walk without some sort of compensation, or maybe they, w- they wouldn't even entertain it. Would he be a, a perfect candidate? Sure. Um, but his availability is in question. There's also 
uh, starting to be a little bit of buzz around Stan Bowman, who wants back in the game. Of course, he has to get his status cleared by the league. But there's another guy who, you know, has experience and isn't afraid to pull the trigger on a big trade. Uh, also has three Stanley Cup rings. That that goes a long way. So he's a he's a name to watch. I'd say on the back burner right now. I, I just checked in and he he hasn't been contacted with the Leafs just yet, but he wants back in the game in some capacity and checks the experience box. Uh, other names that, that we're hearing are like Mark Bergevin, who wants another chance. Uh, the Montreal market wore him down eventually, though, and I I. So I'm a little bit skeptical if he if he really wants the the Toronto gig, but mm. his name has been floated out there as a, another candidate. So th- there are a few names out there, um, but we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, interestingly, we, outside of Trey Living, there's no one that we know for sure um, has agreed and to talk with the Leafs just yet. But I'm sure it's going to be a busy week at MLSC headquarters. Uh, just a couple more for you, Luke, before we let you go here. Do you think the next GM makes the decision on Sheldon Keefe, or is that something you think will get clarity on sooner than later, maybe from Brendan Shanahan? Well, it better be the next GM because, you know, if you were going to clear house and let him go, if that was Shanahan's call, why didn't he do it in the same press release where he cut Kyle Dubas loose? Yeah. Uh, I, I think the reason, the only reason I can see for keeping Keefe on is to give the new GM, whoever it is, that option, right? So if the new GM arrives and says, oh, man, you know, I actually really like this and this about Keith, and I think I can work with him, and uh, and then you don't want to be Shanahan saying, well, we already let him go. Um, but the, the, the trick here is the chances of that feel unlikely. Most GMs want to pick their own guy or already have a guy in mind when they arrive at, at a job. So if you're Sheldon Keefe, you have to be nervous. Now, one one thing his his buddy Kyle Dubas did was he quietly gave him a two-year extension last summer. Um, so he will have, you know, a year's pay regardless as, as a cushion to, to fall back on. And if he does like get let go out of Toronto, I have no doubt that he'll be back in the NHL at some point. His regular season record is fantastic. I think he's struggled in the playoffs, but I think he's learned some lessons from those playoff losses and would probably be a better coach in his second go-round with another team than he was in this one. And uh, last but not least, as we uh, head into another piece that you wrote at at Sportsnet.ca yesterday, looking ahead to uh, the UFAs of 2023, two Toronto Maple Leafs could factor factor prominently into that, Luke, and Ryan O'Reilly and, of course, Michael Bunting, who uh, were in different situations with Toronto, obviously with Ryan O'Reilly coming in as a trade deadline acquisition and Luke Bun- uh, Michael Bunting, I should say, you know, being a piece for a couple years for the Toronto Maple Leafs. How do you see those two names uh, specifically? I know it's kind of hard to say without a GM and without priority there, but are those guys that you would see more likely to head to market than come back with Toronto? Yes, on, on both. And, and that's not because uh, they weren't, you know, liked by the Leafs. I, I think they, it, it just comes down to dollars and cents. Michael Bunting was an absolute bargain that, and one of Kyle Dubas's best signings, frankly, but he's at the point now where he needs to get paid. Uh, he hasn't made that much money in his uh, in his NHL life, and I just feel like another team is going to look at his his numbers back to back twenty three goal seasons. Can play with with good players, has a, a little bit of edge to his game, uh, and I think he's just going to get offered a, a juicier contract elsewhere, and he'll he'll probably want to take that 
um, because it's time for him to cash in. As for Ryan O'Reilly, I thought the fit was fantastic. Uh, He's the type of player the Leafs need more of. Again, I just think the market could have him going elsewhere because Toronto's main focus will be on, um, you know, solidifying the goaltending position. Uh, they need to give Ilya Samsonov a raise or potentially uh, orchestrate a trade for a bona fide number one. And then, they, like I mentioned before, they have Matthews and Nylander uh, to consider. Um, so a, a commitment to an aging Ryan O'Reilly feels unlikely. And, you know, if you look at the, the names of UFA centermen, they are few and far between. So I think Ryan O'Reilly has positioned himself um, not unlike Nazem Kadri, actually, last summer, it positioned himself well in terms of there's only so many centers to go around. He's a proven one. Uh, teams know what they're buying when they get him. Solid two-way guy, excellent face-off, man, a leader, uh, guy teammates love. Uh, so I, I just think he's going he's gonna to command a salary that, the, that prices the Leafs out. But we'll see. There, there is definitely mutual interest for both those guys but it'll all come down to dollars and cents. Uh, as it so often does, and I'm sure uh, whoever the GM there will have uh, a say in both of those as well. Luke, uh, really appreciate the time as always. Thank you for hopping on with us today, man. We'll do it again soon, hey? All right, anytime. Thanks, take, take care. care. Have a good day. You too. Luke Fox joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline, NHL writer at sportsnet.ca. You can find him on Twitter uh, as we go to at Luke Fox, Jukebox. Uh, sportsnet.ca. He's got a ton of articles up right now going through the Kyle Dubas, Brendan Shanahan drama. Uh, if you're looking ahead to the offseason, he also has NHL top RFAs for 2023 and UFAs of 2023. His top UFA heading into the summer, Dmitry Orlov from the Boston Bruins. And yes, quite a few intriguing RFAs as well as Luke goes through, including uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois in Winnipeg who has arbitration rights, but instead he doesn't plan on coming back to Winnipeg uh, after his contract is up. So now what happens uh, for him? There's a number of really interesting RFAs. Uh, The UFA class a little thinner this year, so the RFAs might play a bigger role into it. You want to get a look at the top 12 from Luke, uh, head to sportsnet.ca. We will take a break, come back on the other side. Uh, More Craig Conroy chat with Brendan Parker of Flames TV. Uh, He'll kick off hour two of the program with us. You're on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.